we're going to continue the, the series, the Holy Spirit Living. And I get to speak today about the aspect of the Holy Spirit being our advocate. And so I want us to imagine a courtroom setting where we have a prosecutor in Satan who accuses us all the time of everything we've ever done, all the failures, all the fears, all the things that we have going on in our life that he reminds us of and tries to destroy us and tries to tear us down. And so we're the defendant being accused of all these things and we need representation. Well, praise God, he sent the Holy Spirit to be our defense attorney. And so the Holy Spirit, he acts for that defense that we need and represents us. And so I want to kind of hone in on that, that Satan is our accuser first, and then we're going to talk more about the Holy Spirit and how he does what he does in our life. And so in verse 10 in Revelation chapter 12, it says this, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now has come the salvation, the power, and the kingdom of our God, and the authority of his Messiah. For the accusers, accuser of our brother and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. So one of the things that's great about this is we get to know that, hey, Satan gets tossed out. That's great news. But then the other aspect of this, too, that we need to be mindful of and remind ourselves today as we live until that day when he's hurled down is that we're being accused falsely all the time. And as a believer in Christ, we're going to be accused day and night. That's constant. And so we need representation. We need somebody to represent us. And thankfully, the Holy Spirit is that representation for us. As we see in the scripture in John chapter 14, verse 16 through 18, and it says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives within you and will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. So there's a few words here I want us to really think about and hone in on today. One is that the Holy Spirit is going to be a help to us. He's coming to help us. He's coming to represent, represent us and help us through this time to be a guide for us. And what's great to know is that the Holy Spirit doesn't make choices for us or decisions for us. If you think in a courtroom setting, a defense attorney represents you, but it can't make all the decisions for you. It has to run the case entirely to you as a defendant to make sure you understand what's going on and what's happening. Also, if you decide to testify on your behalf in a courtroom setting, the, 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 the attorney can only say, I think you should or I think you shouldn't. It can't make that choice for you. So in the same way, the Holy Spirit is there to help us. It can't make us follow him or, or be led by him, but it can lead us in the right place in the right direction. The other word that I think about is connection, as it talks about that the Holy Spirit will be with us forever. It's not something that's just here one day or the next. And there, there will be times where the Holy Spirit seems to show up more than others in the sense that it's just a powerful movement of God. But the Holy Spirit doesn't leave you. He's always there inside of you. And there's a connection that's going to be there forever, not just tomorrow, not just the next day, not just from a year from now, but ever, forever, ever and ever in heaven, we'll have the Holy Spirit there with us. And truth. So here's another word. Truth is very important because Satan is going to continue to share lies, try to pervert God's truth, try to try to change it up, try to put things in our face that make us feel dirty and, and just hurt and pain. 
But, but God, through his Holy Spirit, is going to be speaking to us and saying, hey, no, this is God's truth. This is God's word. This is what you need to see. This is what you need to hear. And so if we listen to the Holy Spirit, we're going to receive truth. And we need to listen to him. Because the Holy Spirit is speaking for God. The other thing is, is that we're known. And that he knows us, but we also know the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's not somebody that, you know, they just got off the street like in, a, in the courtroom setting. It's not like this a, a defense attorney was a public defender and you just met him that same day. No, the Holy Spirit knows you. He knows your story. He knows what you're about. He represents you in a way that he knows the details of your life. He knows what you've been through. He knows the pain or the agony or the, 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 you know, the failures that you've had in life. He knows all those things you've been through and he wants to represent you because he cares for you and he knows you intimately and can represent you to God on your behalf. Wow, that, that's just, I, I think that's great to know that we have that kind of representation. So now I want to look at an example, and that's where we're going to look at Peter's life and see an example of, of what it was like when he didn't really allow the Holy Spirit. Of course, he didn't receive the Holy Spirit before Jesus died. This was after. So this part of the story is really him. And as we know, many times Peter said, hey, I'm never going to deny it. I'm never going to do that. And then when it comes to it, he does deny Jesus three times. And so this is some of the occasions of that. In verse 16 of John chapter 18, it says this, But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciples, who was known to the high priest, came back and spoke to the servant girl on duty there and brought Peter in. She said to him, You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and the officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Continuing on with the story in verse 25, it says this in John chapter 18. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there, warming himself. So they asked him, You aren't one of the disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. And so I really want us to think about this situation where Peter was trying to do it on his own. And a lot of times that leads to failure. A lot of times that leads to desperation. A lot of times that leads us in a place where we feel all alone, and we're going to talk more about that, but I want you to begin to think about how Peter was without the Holy Spirit in that situation. Now we're going to look at Acts chapter 2 and see a contrast here where the Holy Spirit is present. The Holy Spirit has showed up in Acts, and, and God is moving the Spirit, His Spirit in them. And so they go out of this upper rim, about 120 people, and they start praising God and speaking about the gospel and sharing about Jesus. And there's a commotion of people around them who begin to think about what are these people doing? Where are they coming from? Or what's going on here? It's, it causes such a commotion. And they start understanding that they're hearing this in their own language. Even though they speak a different language, they're hearing the gospel in their own language. And at first they're like making some reason like, are these guys drunk? Or are they, you know, intoxicated to the point they don't even understand what they're saying, but somehow it's making sense to me. 
And then Peter approaches in a, in a powerful way. And it's not because it's Peter. It's because it's the Holy Spirit working in him and speaking through him. And this is what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 29. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on an oath that he would be placed one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of death, nor did his body see decay. So we hear, we see Peter speaking boldly to a huge crowd of people from all different nations in a city that was a port. And he had all these people coming and trading all these things. And he's speaking boldly about what God has done. And so continuing on and moving to 32 of Acts chapter 2, it says this, And God raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you have now see and hear. So what is Peter saying? He's saying you're realizing the Holy Spirit is our defendant, our advocate, and he's speaking through us and trying to help communicate what Jesus has done. And so continuing on in the story, we're going to skip down to verse 37. It says this, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So continuing on this just a little bit further in verse 40, it says this, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted that his message were baptized and about 3000 people were added to their number that day. Imagine that, seeing your numbers go from 120, where you have a small church, or a mid-sized church maybe, and then all of a sudden, one day, it goes to a mega church, a big, huge church, because of what God did. And he, he allowed the Holy Spirit to do his job, to represent Peter. And so it wasn't just Peter speaking that day. It wasn't just the other apostles and their own strength. God's Spirit was upon them, speaking through them, using them to make a difference, to change lives. And so as we look about this, I want to kind of think about this in like a, a, a versus like court hearing, you know, like you hear versus this or versus that. And so I want to kind of bring that to this aspect of how Satan works and how the Holy Spirit works. And this is really based off that passage that we read in John chapter 18. So the first one is this, is that the accuser is going to say that you're alone. You're alone. God's not with you. God's not here with you. God's not helping you. God doesn't care about you. God doesn't love you. You, you kidding me? God can choose anybody to do this. Why do you think you're special? That's basically what the devil does. He tries to tear us down, trash us, and make us feel totally alone. And like there's no way that God would ever use us. But here's what the advocate says. So that's our accuser. That's the accuser's position. That you just should be alone. You don't, you're not really worth anything. You're just by yourself. 
the advocate though, the defense attorney, the Holy Spirit says this, you're not alone, you're united. This is a united front, you're represented well. God loves you, God cares for you. The question, and this is the thing that I want us to think about as we, as we dive into this, is that Peter was questioned that day. Remember when we go back and we look at what it was like when he denied Jesus? This is the question I want us to kind of ponder. What happens when we are questioned? Do we feel alone? Do we feel abandoned by God? Do we feel like we're not good enough? And we listen to the accuser? Or do we look to our defense attorney, the Holy Spirit, and say, represent me, be with me, help me. And we understand that we're united. We're not representing ourselves. I'm not standing here today uh, representing myself. I'm representing God. I'm representing the Holy Spirit. And actually, the Holy Spirit represents God through me and through you when we allow him to, when we allow him to work. So when you're questioned, when people may question you about your faith or they may question about who you are, or why would God want to do something through you? You understand that you're united. You're not by yourself. You're not alone. You're not abandoned. You're with God and God's Holy Spirit is with inside of you. And the Holy Spirit emboldens us and gives us strength to speak out. The next thing, and this is another question I want us to think about is what happens when we stand before an audience? So when we stand before an audience like Peter did, as he's in that courtyard and he's, you know, in mixed around other people, other servants are there, and there's different people, there's a big commotion. There's, it's not, it's really rare to see a court happening at night. That's, that's not supposed to happen like that. And it wasn't, it didn't happen at all very often, unless they wanted to keep something secret like they did with Jesus. And so there's this commotion. There's a lot of people moving around and walking around. And he's trying to get warmed by this fire. And he has an audience. And I also think about the fact that Peter had an opportunity to witness here. We don't know for sure. Sometimes we kind of take the, the view of these people that are in this courtyard or hostile to Jesus. Maybe they're open to Jesus. Maybe they were open and, and wanting to hear from somebody that was with Jesus to kind of help make the decision for themselves who Jesus was. What was he there for? But instead, because Peter took an inward focus and listened to the accuser, Satan, he was, he was kind of thinking, I just want to stay away. I want to be away from people. And so he retreated. He retreated by the fire and just wanted to stay warm and kind of like out of sight. He didn't want to be in view of everyone else. He just kind of wanted to be left alone. And that's what I think about retreat. It's not like you're out there being bold and saying, Hey, I, I love Jesus and I've served him and he's, he's my Lord and, and I want to be, he's my rabbi. He's my father. He's my teacher. Instead, Peter's off to himself just wanting to be left alone. He wants to just be a bug on the wall and not be mo noticed at all. And so he retreats where the advocate, this is what happens. This is the opposite side of the Holy Spirit at work where Peter comes out and he comes out of that upper room and he's boldly talking about Jesus with confidence. And I think about that, that he was just going right after one step after the next. If you read that Acts chapter two, because he had confidence because he allowed the Holy Spirit working in his life to build that confidence to know that he wasn't alone. He was united but he also was speaking confidence because he knows that God wanted him to, that he was representing God. Next one I want us to kind of look at here is this, 
And the question is that I think what Peter was asked is what happens when you speak in front of others? And so as Peter's responded to these questions, he's, he's reverting back. You know, as the story goes on in other passages, he starts at the end to start getting more rebellious to the fact he wasn't a Galilean. He's lying about that. He's lying about other things. And there's this fear that you can see that's building up in Peter that he's just totally afraid. And this is what the accuser wants you to think and what he wanted Peter to think. Just be afraid. Just be in fear of these people. Be in fear of what's going to happen next. And a lot of times, that's the devil's tactic is to make us walk in fear. Want us to, to be in that place where we allow Satan just to kind of be, make us be afraid and, and we feel like we can't accomplish anything for God. While the advocate gives us that boldness to say, no, it's beyond just the confidence of knowing something and being assured. I guess maybe the confidence could be also the word assured, but the boldness comes in speaking boldly. So not, not only do you have confidence about it to know you're saved or know that you're, you're with God and God has you, but you're willing to be bold. I had a friend, or I still have a friend, I didn't lose I didn't lose him or anything. He's still my friend. But the fact is, is that he was just, he wouldn't, it wouldn't matter who he was with or who he was around. He would just go up to people and start talking to them. And here I am like, what are you doing? And this is weird. But he just had a boldness about him. See, there's a difference between confidence and an assurance of knowing something about God or knowing the Holy Spirit is representing you. And then there's also this extra thing of boldness that you're willing to go out and proclaim it. You're willing to go out and share it. And it doesn't matter who. Well, that's what, that's what Peter had in Acts chapter 2. He had this boldness about him that he didn't matter who he was sharing it with. Not only did he know what to say, and he had the assurance of knowing the authority by which he spoke and the words that he was sharing about Jesus, but he had the boldness to put it out there. He had the boldness to put it out in front of people so they would know what was going on. And so contrast where fear took over Peter in the garden where he was in the garden, from the garden to the courtyard, to where now he's coming out of the upper room. Where are you at in your life? Are we allowing fear? Are we gonna take the road of listening to the advocate and be emboldened by the advocate to speak on the behalf of God? Last question I have here. What happens when we are given opportunity? And this is what I think about, and I mentioned this already, but the fact that what if Peter had a chance or an opportunity to witness to somebody at the courtyard when he was denying Jesus? I think about one story that I really want to hone in with that too is that the, the, the priest that was cut off his, the car that had his ear cut off in the garden, one of the relatives is asking him. Now I'm sure he probably heard the story and I know we can't know for sure what the situation might have played out, but we don't know for sure, but we know that he wasn't willing to go there, right? Peter just wanted to get away from him. He wanted to leave the scene. And that's what he did, right? After the rooster crowed, he took off and he wept and bitterly because he was disappointed in himself, which is understandable. And that's what the devil wants us to do. And for for a while there, when Peter was wanting to go back to fishing and kind of didn't want to go back to ministry, didn't feel like he was ready. And we learn in the later chapters in John that Jesus restored him by saying, do you love me, Peter? And trying to give him that confidence back. But there for a time, Peter just said, I, I can't do this. That's what the accuser does to us. He wants us just to flee. Don't do this for God. Don't represent God. Don't, don't take a stand for Jesus. Just walk away. Just walk away. 
In the same way with this person in the courtyard who could have been maybe a rel or was a relative that could have been made led to Jesus, nothing happened. Peter didn't take that opportunity. And a lot of times we miss out on opportunities to represent Jesus because we're scared, we're afraid, and we just want to get out of there. We want to flee. Where the advocate says embrace it. Embrace the opportunities that God has for you. Don't shy away from that. I remember when I first was called to ministry, and I remember my first message, and I was scared to death. I was shaking. I was just so afraid to speak. And God was with me. God, actually, that was my second message. It was the Holy Spirit. I talked about the Holy Spirit and preaching a message about Him. And God just showed up that night. And it was so cool because I knew without a doubt it wasn't me. It was God. And it was Holy Spirit that was representing me. It wasn't me representing myself. It was the Holy Spirit representing me and most importantly, representing God. So I want us to think about that. To think about the fact that Jesus has sent us a helper to come and rescue us. And we need to embrace the opportunities that God gives us. Embrace the chances and the opportunity. Just like we see Peter in Acts chapter 2, he embraced the moment. He became the leader that he always kind of wanted to be, always thought he would be. And because of his leadership, because of his willingness to embrace God and embrace the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to use him, he was able to speak for God. Last scripture I want to share with you today is this. Romans chapter 8, verse 13 through 17. For I, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Again, just talk about this whole aspect. That you live by the Spirit, and it's going to kill off all that sin, all these misdeeds, because you're living with Christ now. Christ has forgiven you of all your misdeeds. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So again, that connection that we have. And the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought you into your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. What a beautiful passage of this connection we have by the Spirit of God, that our spirit bears witness to the Holy Spirit, and God uses, allows the Holy Spirit to represent us as this advocate, as this defense attorney that represents us and, and speaks on our behalf, who, who stands for us who gives us this boldness and this unity and this help that we need and this connection that we have and we can get to know Him. And most importantly, He knows us. So continuing on in this, it says in verse six, uh, 16, it says, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering in order that we also may share in his glory. So the fact is, is that we're here to represent Christ. In the Old Testament, we see that God wanted to raise up a nation so that people in the world could see that there was a God. The true God, not these false gods that were created dime and a dozen by these goldsmiths who would fashion or make a God out of silver or gold, but the God. And so all the things that happened in the Old Testament were trying to raise up a nation to be a beacon and be a light to the world. Well, now, because of Christ and Christ coming as the light of the world, 
we are now his ambassadors. We, and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our life as our advocate and representing God, we are called to be that light to the world, to shine. And so as the Holy Spirit's working in us, it just blows my mind to think about the fact that I am not just a servant of Christ. I am co-heirs with Christ. It almost makes you feel like, well, I don't feel like I deserve it. Again, that's an accuser saying all these things. What God is saying is that I am a joint heir with Christ because I put my faith and I put my trust in him. And I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to work. And as I suffer through this life and I, I do the things that God has called me to do, and it doesn't mean our life is going to be perfect or easy or there's not going to be struggles that we go through or trials that we face, but by the Holy Spirit working in us and representing us and defending us against this accuser that wants to attack us day and night, we can shine for Christ. We can be a representation that the whole world knows who Jesus is. And so there's these last few words that I want to share with you today before we close that will help you maybe think about allowing the Spirit to work in your life, allowing Him to do His job. One is to look, look towards God. Look at the Scriptures. Look at allowing God to work in your life. Maybe there's areas in your life that you could look at and say, I really need to allow God to have more opportunities in my life. And that leads us into surrender is the next word, to surrender your life to God. See, again, I think the contrast between Peter in the courtyard and Peter out and about at the porch speaking on, for God after Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit has been received, is that he was doing it on his own in the courtyard. And he was allowing the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to work in his life in Acts chapter 2. And so we've got to surrender. We can't just think we can do it on our own. Peter was constantly making comments about how he would never let Jesus die or he would go to the death for Jesus and I would like to think that I would do that too but really the power is not in me the power wasn't in Peter the power is in God and his Holy Spirit and we've got to surrender our life so that he can do his job in us and so the next word is trust we've got to trust we've got to trust that the Holy Spirit has been sent to us to represent us, to help us, to listen to his counsel, to listen to his guidance, allow him to direct us and, and move in our life in such a way that, that he has full reign. That as I surrender, I also put my trust in him. Because I can, I can say I'm surrendering, which is great, but when it comes to the trust part, then that's another step that I need to take to say I want to fully trust the Spirit and what he says and allow him to guide me and direct me in this life. The other thing is include. Include the Holy Spirit in your life and the decisions you make, most importantly, because we a lot of times make decisions and we don't really allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life. We don't even get the we don't even let the Holy Spirit represent us fully. We just go on about our day and about our life and the decisions we make, and we don't include God in it. And the Holy Spirit is there to be that guide for us. And so as we think about this representation that we have in the Advocate and the Holy Spirit. Think about the Holy Spirit wanting to be this guide in your life that wants to help you. So make sure you include him in the things that you decide, decisions that you make, maybe purchases you make, like a house or like a car. You know, again, we know him. He knows us. And, and really, I'm saying we know him, but he knows us better than we know him because God created us. 
And because he's part of the Trinity, he knows everything about us. He knows your wants. He knows your desires. Allow him to do his job. Allow him to work in your life. So as we close this message, I'm going to say a prayer, but I just want to encourage you today to allow the Holy Spirit to fully represent you. To realize that we have an accuser whose name is Satan. But don't be afraid of this accuser. Don't let this accuser beat you down or tear you down because you have someone stronger. You have a defense attorney who's going to be with you forever. He's going to represent you on behalf of you and behalf of God. Allow him to do his work. Allow him to do his job to represent you and to represent Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that if there's anybody that needs anything today, that hears this message. And maybe there's just one person out there that just could receive this message today, apply it to their life, and be encouraged. I thank you for working in my life, Lord. I know that many times I try to do things on my own or I allow fear to set me back. And I feel like Peter being in the courtyard. But Lord, I don't want to be the Peter in the courtyard who's afraid, who wants to flee or retreat or to walk away or to be embarrassed or let fear reign. I want to be the Peter that is allowing the Holy Spirit to be at work in Acts chapter 2. I want you to work in my life to make an impact in others. I want to represent you. I want to shine for you. Not to make a name for myself, but just so that you're known. Because I love you, Lord. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for dying up on a cross for my sins. Lord, if there's anybody out there that doesn't know you as a personal Savior, I pray that they would give their life over to you, that they would say, Lord, forgive me, I am a sinner, and I want to live for you. I want you to come into my life, and I want your spirit to represent me, to be my defense attorney, to be my advocate. Lord, I thank you that you'll keep your promise with that, that, you'll, that you've called every one of us to share this good news, to pass it on, and I pray, Lord, that everybody that hears your message would would take a, a pause and think about what you're saying. Count the cost and make that decision to follow you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this day. Be with us all. In your wonderful name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. And we'll continue to be praying for you. And thank you for checking us out. Bye now.